Hey, so today's episode of the Perspective Cast comes with a bit of a disclaimer. We were initially supposed to release this on the 17th of May, that would be a Sunday, but unfortunately due to some unforeseen circumstances, we had to delay till Friday. So most of these uh, articles that we talked about are from last week. And a lot of the things that we covered still do matter and a lot of the discussions still do matter. But we will give you an update on one of the issues, which is the College Central slash Radio YouTube hack. Uh, College Central has moved to a new YouTube account, which we will be giving details for in the descriptions below. So otherwise, have a good listen, people. Today's episode of the Zimbabwean Perspective Cast, we will be looking at the unfortunate hacking of College Central, creators of Wadiwa Pamoyo, the Dell XPS 15 and 17 laptops, the move from Google Play Music to YouTube Music, and how the Sony PS5 at least seems to be lacking behind the Xbox Series X. Here we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Zimbabwean Perspective Cast. It's been a while. I'm Clint. I'm your friend. Uh, today I'm joined by a new member of our team. Say hello to Nigel, my brother. Nigel? Oh, hi guys. My name's Nigel and unfortunately I live with this person. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, but uh, today, today, well, we decided to finally come back. Things were different, of course. Everyone knows the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's obviously put a lot of wrenches in a lot of people's plans, and that's a shame. But finally, we decided to come back. We decided to, you know, continue because here's the thing. Life goes on, but somehow, despite everything seeming to be on pause, the world is still spinning. Things are still moving. The more things change, the more things stay the same. And, well, we decided the best thing we could do in a time like this is continue to give you content, basically sort of, get this podcast started because we've only had about two episodes before so we decided it's time to get back in there so Nigel, tell us how you're feeling today well i'm feeling really happy to be on this podcast i've actually thought of hosting one but i don't know about what yet and um covering things like gaming and other stuff is actually something i like and let's get started on something simple lockdown extended Clint, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny how we call that simple. Uh, our partial lockdown has been extended, and it's a shame. Like, there's no easy way of saying this, okay? This COVID-19 situation has basically wrecked shop with people's lives. Zimbabwe is a country that pretty much has most people relying on the informal sector of jobs rather than the formal sector, and with all these... Uh, social distancing protocols in action and all the lockdown protocols in action. Basically, most informal sector, uh, let's call them workers, not really workers, but yeah, everybody working in the informal sector is at a halt right now. Most people, okay, unless your hustle, let's call it that, already involved some way of working that didn't involve you working in a small store or a small stand or a flea market that was likely in some CBD or open area where a lot of people come to, uh, you're likely going to be affected by this. And it's a really serious situation. 
our government is apparently doing what it can to donate things to people. All political thoughts and biases aside, we're actually grateful for that. Uh, there are reports on how that's going. We are not really going to go into that today. But yeah, and of course, there's issues that have come with that. Uh, transportation has been a thing. So for anyone who uses public transport, especially in cities like Harare, even as soon as the partial lockdown started and some people had to go back to work, there's been a problem now because the only big reliable form of transport is Zubco buses, and Zubco buses are notoriously known for their shortages. There were never enough. Even before the lockdown, there's still not enough now. It's not great, especially considering that now way less people, and thankfully, way less people should get into a Zubco bus and way less people can get into one. So transport issues are a thing. And now we just had the recent announcement that uh, combis and informal public transport uh, service providers, let's call them that, are essentially banned. It's over. It's done. Unless you're working with or working for Zubco, you are not allowed to essentially be a public transport provider even after this whole COVID-19 situation is going to be over, apparently. So that's a whole shift in the dynamic of how we, especially in big cities like Arari, yeah, uh, it's a whole shift in the dynamic of how we use public transport because now it's all Zubco. And I don't know, the ideal situation is, of course, every public transport provider, every combi provider, rather, just moves to Zubco and we'll pretty much have the same number of combis, but hopefully with Zubco prices, which is even better. But that's likely not going to be the case. I mean, we, we're not sure. And, and we can't be sure. And it's definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on because hopefully this does do some good. And we really think it does, as long as we're talking on paper. Uh, the public transport sector, the combi section, rather, was essentially the Wild West. Anything could happen, and for all the wrong reasons. But uh, now we have to see how it's all going to go. And yeah, there's nothing really much else to say about that, I guess. I don't know, Nigel, do you have anything to add? Um, not really, nothing, I mean, nothing much, but uh, I'd actually just say this. Um, if, try to avoid fake news as much as possible. I mean, I know this has been going on for a long time, but it's just something we thought we'd have to say here. and. It's obvious he's probably written about it a lot, but it's something that we just have to keep getting out there. I mean, fake news is still a thing. I mean, you can hear certain rumors like um, candidates are going back to school after two weeks. And I know some of us may be going crazy like, what school in the middle of this pandemic? But I, I'm not really sure about that. We'll just see as it goes on. Yeah, well, I, I get it. Uh, there's a huge case of misinformation ever since COVID-19 happened. Um, and you're right to bring it up again. It's seemingly less now. I mean, there was that whole time when everyone was going crazy about everything from the 5G scandals to, uh, what is this called? <laughs> 5G scandals to all the green card issues that were going on to all the apparent ways that you could solve COVID-19 to who to blame. Bill Gates was under a lot of fire. Uh, yeah, it, it was something else but 
and now there's actually still issues. Misinformation is still a thing. In fact, since Zoom and Skype meetings are getting so popular now, they are literally phishing scandals. In other words, essentially, um, problem, how can I say this? Attacks on people's computers, let's call it that way, or to put it oversimplification, by the way. But there were phishing scandals that are essentially based on creating fake Zoom links. So you have people who are creating fake Zoom links or fake Skype links and sending them to people and saying, oh, join this. And as soon as you click that, you're sent to some phony site that's going to say, enter a few more details. Those details might be details to an email account, details to maybe even a bank account. So a lot of them are email account based because I get, thankfully, some people are getting smart about their online banking security. And people are getting attacked that way. And yeah, it's scary. It's scary times. Unfortunately, we don't just have the virus to be scared of. And in fact, that brings us straight into our first issue, which is the fact that um, creators of the popular, really popular and very successful now, uh, web series, which is hosted on YouTube, unfortunately, their YouTube account got hacked. And it is infuriating, to be honest. I mean, you have a group of people, mainly straight out of college. Some are not, but who cares, okay? Art has always been a, how can I say this, a complicated thing to get into in Zimbabwe, to say the least, because it's not very high paying. It might not even get noticed. You work on something for years and it doesn't seem to pay you back or pay off. And here you have a group of talented people, talented young people, who decide to leverage the power of well, the internet, YouTube, modern society, and we usually spend our time watching things if we can. And they make an amazing show. But Dear Bumboy is actually a pretty well-acclaimed show. If you read up on it, and if you actually, well, we would have suggested you watch it now, but currently, if I'm not wrong, that might not be possible. And whoever did what they did, they... um hacked into the channel, renamed it to Dave Ramsey Live, obviously uh, logged out College Central, and wiped all the videos, which is, well, I mean, this this channel had apparently around average of 24, 20-something thousand views for Wadiwa Pamoyo episodes. They had 66,000 subscribers, sorry, <clears throat> They were able to actually make some money out of this because, you know, YouTube ads, uh, YouTube ad revenue. And they were finally monetizing their videos and home seemingly reportedly making a pretty okay living out of it. And now you have someone essentially just hack that account, lock them out, wipe all their work, and pretty much just wreck shop on everything they do and to say that that makes me at least feel personally attacked it would be an understatement I mean this is not the same I'm not a creative this involvement perspective doesn't really have the same goals but ah, look at it this way if someone came into your house today uh, just wrecked everything you had in it stole everything in your wallet you'd probably feel some type of way about it. And this is likely how the creators 
of Wadiwabamoe, how College Central feel. And it is just the saddest thing and the most angering and infuriating thing to hear, especially in a time like this where the rest of the world is already in crisis. Um, yeah. When this happened, I actually thought of a few things, such as changing my email address. I mean, once someone captures your email, it's all over, and for these guys, maybe this guy is probably just doing this for months and thinking of plotting against them. I mean, why? That that was just evil. Why would you just hack basically what we'd call a struggling show already and try to take what little they have? I, I mean, it's not really something that's that simple. And what we're actually going to suggest and we're actually just and what we'd actually suggest is that everyone should just check their should just recheck their email accounts and make sure that you have some pretty strong passwords. Uh yeah. Unfortunately the whole whatever more scandal has it's essentially become a how can I call this? It's a wake up call, but it's the worst kind of wake up call in that it's reminded a lot of people and it's reminded everyone of how vulnerable we are in Zimbabwe, or at least how vulnerable we've become when it comes to our online security, when it comes to our device security. Uh, we have, we don't really have a huge history of hacks and cybercrime scandals in our country. And that was great for a while. But the reason why was because, well, to be honest, uh, it came from what I would call a few factors. Just going to briefly go over them here. Uh, mainly, for starters, we didn't have a lot of things that were historically going on on our computers, to be honest. Uh, Zimbabwe was not the most digitally reliant country on the planet. And we could say maybe in the of course, in the past 20 years, that changed, especially the past 10 years. Because especially the past 10 years, when the advent of smartphones came, that's when a lot of uh, internet connectivity, that's when a lot of internet usage, that's when everybody really started getting on the web. And because everybody really started getting on the web and becoming more reliant on digital devices, digital records, online services, and so on, this is also when, of course, there began to be an uptick in, let's call it a digital signature for a lot of Zimbabweans. We really started uh, interacting with the internet a lot and that now created this whole market for anyone who wants to try out any malicious behavior. To put it in simple terms, anyone who makes viruses, anyone who's into hacking, anyone who usually tries to create any form of malware, usually wants a market. You're not going to go and try and hack just that one person unless if you have a really big grudge on that one person. When you're trying to go about these exercises, you want to go in... It's like game hunting for these people, okay? You want to go in an area with a lot of game. And part of this is why, for example, people would say there's a lot more viruses on Windows computers and even uh, Android phones as compared to iOS devices, though iOS devices have become 
uh, exception as of late, but especially Macs, Mac computers. There's proportionally less viruses for Macs because a lot less people use Macs. Windows has the majority shareholder. So what am I saying? Sorry, the majority market share of most PCs on the planet. So if you're trying to make a virus, you go there. And what's happening with Zimbabwe now is that with a lot of us really beginning to engage on the internet a lot more and a lot of us becoming more involved in it, we are also becoming a potential target for hackers, whether within our country or outside our country. Uh, we don't know what this Dave Ramsey live, where it's coming from, where the account is coming from, though. I'm sure if some investigation might be done, that could be determined. Thankfully, um, the YouTube team seemingly uh, responded to College Central's pleas on Twitter, or rather reports of the hacking incident on Twitter. So hopefully that's being rectified and we actually really hope that that all gets sorted out. But as I was saying, maybe they might be able to find out where this Dave Ramsey account is from and if they can then we would know whether it was a local attack or not and regardless of what it was it is a reminder that everyone really needs to start taking a lot more care of their online security uh i'm not trying to sell anyone an antivirus here or those internet security suites or whatever what i'm talking about is instead our accounts uh as nigel previously mentioned uh, your email, for starters, emails are like the basis of probably almost every other account you make on the web. And if you've got especially one email address that's essentially linked to everything, that should be your most guarded password secret, for lack of a better term, okay? Uh, you should have a pretty hard to decipher password, so please do not write the word password or your name and two or three numbers or something like that. Uh, taking the general guidelines of uh, some capital letters, some small caps letters, some symbols and some numbers is usually a good way to go. If you're actually able to make something that looks like a jumbled mess to the normal human eye, then perfect. That's much better. You need something like that. And you need to set up two-factor authentication. We wrote an article about this, by the way. Uh, the article about the um, College Central hack. We actually left a lot of um, tips on how to better protect your online account. So set. So please take a look at that. But yeah, two-factor authentication. Please get that sorted out. Um, what else can we think about here as far as online accounts are concerned? Uh, oh, logins. If you're using a computer that's not yours, please don't save your login details there. You never know, okay? We really never know. I mean, it's like the College Central attack. A lot of people are actually speculating that might have been someone close to them. And maybe it was, maybe, to put it in shorter terms, Yanga Erikoro. We don't know. But uh, one thing's for sure, if it was a close attack, then unfortunately it's something that would come down to maybe someone having logged in on a foreign computer and left their details there, someone having used a friend's computer and left their details there, or maybe even just left their account logged in, which is even worse. And you never know with people. You really can't be too sure. So you should always have 
some of the stuff checked out and there's a lot more to it there's really a lot more to it uh software we could recommend um even vpns that could help with your security your device's security as a whole too where you connect your phone and so on and so on it's a whole list and we're gonna go into some um articles about it throughout the coming week we definitely are going to go into articles about keeping your devices safe keeping your account safe but for now i think as we've said before this is just a wake-up call and it's a wake-up call we definitely all need to pay attention to right nigel yeah it's a wake-up call we really need to pay attention to and especially zimbabweans and other people especially parents Apparently, you don't have, like, the dumbest passwords ever. I mean, it can be the name or maybe the birthplace or even your dad's name. Anything. Please try to change that. Or at least make it, I don't know, something with a mix of both. Like your favorite movie or superhero. But don't forget your symbols, <laughs> your letters, your, I mean, your small letters, your big letters, your numbers. Just mix it up. Have fun with your password. I, I might have to stop you there just for a second. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, the movies and so on for it is great, except here's, here's actually a theory. Uh, back in 2014, there was what people called the fappening. This was when a lot of celebrity iCloud accounts got hacked and a lot of pictures were leaked somewhere of a more adult nature. And... The fappening really just happened because a lot of these celebrities have their lives online. So these people didn't even really hack their accounts. All they did was, you know, click I forgot my password and it would ask something like, what's your mother's name? And if, I don't know, I'll give an example of someone who actually got affected, if I'm not wrong. It was um, Jennifer Lawrence. If you're a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan, you probably know what her mother's name is. You could Google it on Wikipedia and find out. And people did that and gained access to those accounts. And that was pretty easy in comparison. So maybe keep it something more uh, unique. Though the rest of everything Nigel was saying was definitely proper. Keep your symbols. Keep your numbers. These are things you definitely have to remember. Right? Yeah. And please, if you you quickly forget this, try to write it down. I have like... 10 Google accounts, I don't even remember the name. And that's an actual fact. Well, <laughs> you should, do you still remember your main Google account? Let's start there. Yeah, that's a pretty simple one. Okay, so you remember your main Google account. Oh, uh, yeah, don't, don't make a habit of forgetting your accounts, people. That's, <laughs> that's something you definitely should not try and start but regardless of this whole matter, uh, one thing that we definitely would just like to appreciate is uh, we're definitely in support of the College Central team. We both we both really hope that they uh, get access to their account soon, and hopefully that YouTube can rectify most of what happened. Of course, they've lost some monetization at the moment, of course, but hopefully if they can get their account back, if they can... Definitely keep it protected from now on. Uh, they can still keep all their subscriber numbers. And definitely if you're a fan, don't rush to totally unsubscribe right now because you never know. There might 
actually still be a change and you can still just go back to the channel you used to and keep giving these guys your support and that's definitely what they need in this moment but yeah uh that's the unfortunate part of everything that's going on here and what's worse is it's not the only thing apparently there's actually a whole it, this is really becoming a culture like zimbabweans are beginning to get targeted online whether and and unfortunately that makes me think that a lot of the time it's actually just local attacks because you see a lot of more famous instagram people or influencers whatever you call them talking about their accounts being hacked you hear apparently talks about certain government officials being hacked though that one might be fishy depending on who you believe and so on and so forth Basically, if you're a Zimbabwean, you start to gain a following. Apparently, you are gaining someone's attention and they are coming after you. So, yeah, be careful, people, wherever you are. Just remember two-factor authentication, better passwords. That's the start. We'll get into everything later. Uh, stay tuned for those, I guess. But, yeah, let's start there. And now moving on to some hardware that came out during the time that we're gone. We're not really going to go over everything. In fact, we're just going to go over some stuff that happened in, let's say, the past two, three weeks. Mainly what happened in the past week. Uh, starting with some laptops, especially this week's laptops, the Dell XPS 15 and 17. And, well, look, I'm just going to put it down right here. I love these things. I love these machines. I mean, they're sleek. They are slim. They're not totally light. They're pretty heavy because they're pretty powerful machines. And yeah, they are beasts. Okay, we are talking about machines that clock up at up to 64 gigs of RAM, Core i9, 10th gen processors, uh, NVIDIA RTX 2060, if it's the 17. Uh, and NVIDIA RT, uh, oh no, NVIDIA GTX 20, oh uh, no, 1660 Ti, which are still, which are amazing graphics cards, we have amazing processors, we, which are running at high wattage, so you know you're actually getting a lot of power for what you're asking for, and we have these things in some of the smallest bodies to come to 15 and 17 inch laptops, in fact, here's the craziest thing, the 17 inch? is smaller than a lot of 15-inch laptops from, let's say, the past two, three years. Like, if you take the Dell XPS 15 from last year, the 2019 version, and hold it next to the 17-inch, it's smaller, yes, but it's only really a little smaller. And that's because the new XPS 15 is actually significantly smaller than last year's XPS 15. These are totally redesigned Normal clamshell laptops, by the way, they're not detachables like the Surface Book. They're not two-in-ones like Lenovo's Yoga Line, but they're they're impressive machines. Not not even impressive machines. As far as I'm concerned, these seem like the king of Windows Workstation, or let's just say in quotes, pro machines. Okay, if you want a laptop for that and it's not a big, clunky enterprise workstation, I think. This is your machine. I, I don't know, Nigel. What do you think? Well, the funny thing is, these things are beasts. I mean, they are crazy good. 
I don't know, but but I don't know. I still kind of like something like um, the Samsung Galaxy Flex. I mean, that thing is crazy beautiful, and I know it looks a lot like it, the Lenovo IdeaPad Flex, and except that this one has a pin and the colors and other stuff. But I like that. But when Clint first told me about the XPS series from thirteen. I actually wasn't that interested. I was like, I was just literally like, meh. These are just, you know, tinier other your ultra books, which are pretty powerful. But when I started looking into these things, I was actually pretty impressed. And sure, I wouldn't mind having one for my own, and you know, having it around the house if my next laptop wouldn't probably be a gaming laptop, cause I actually like that and. I'm not that much of an ultrabook person, actually. I like my thick, big laptops. <laughs> but you just said you want the Galaxy Book Flex. That's an ultrabook, dude. Yeah, if I'm an adult, right now I'm still enjoying my teenage life. I, I just want to <laughs> sit at home and play Fortnite all day and just be under the other internet. Okay, so you want to be a teenager who games every day. But you do realize that the XPS 15 and 17 are actually pretty amazing for gaming. Like... They're not full-on thick-boy gaming laptops, but they don't have to be. I mean, these are machine. I, I just said this, 64 gigs of RAM. Okay, 16, 32, most people will probably go for the 32 options. 32 gigs of RAM, you're using a 10th gen Core i7, or maybe an i5. No discrete graphics, everything comes with either. Uh, the, lowest thing you can, the lowest graphics card you can get this in is a GTX 1050. Which is what's on the Microsoft Surface Book 3. And that's actually a still pretty powerful chip. It's not the most powerful chip, but... <clears throat> sorry. To put it in simple terms, you can run any modern game on it. At at least mid-sittings. And older games, like... And we're not, we don't even mean much older. I mean games from 2017. Some of them, at least. You can run them on high settings, and we're talking about 60 to above 60, 120 frames per second, maybe. And again, you're getting this in a laptop that is as slim or slimmer than a 16-inch MacBook Pro, as small, a little heavy in the term of the 17, because, well, come on, it has all that stuff crammed inside, but then... You're also getting uh, super fast SSDs. You're getting um, Thunderbolt 3 if you need it. You're getting an SD card reader because Dell actually knows that a lot of photographers might be using these machines. And you are getting amazingly beautiful screens. I mean, these are the most amazing screens ever. In fact, they are a huge reason why uh, these machines are much smaller. Because what happens with most laptops is you've got a pretty big bezel. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a 14-inch HP laptop from around 2012-2013 before I had my uh, Lenovo. And my Lenovo and the HP are both 14-inch laptops. Except my 14-inch laptop, just because of its time period, is around the size of a 15-inch laptop these days. But my Lenovo is smaller than some 13-inch laptops. And because... The bezels are much smaller. They're not Dell XPS small, but especially on the sides, they're much smaller. They could squeeze a 14-inch screen into a 13-inch laptop's body. And this is what they've done. The 17-inch is in a 15-inch laptop's body. 
uh the 15 is in okay it's not a 13 inch laptop's body but probably around 14 inches it's 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 crazy i mean look at the screens man if you i wish we could actually put a picture of this and i don't know maybe we'll work it out for youtube somehow but the screens on these things are beautiful and to be honest me being me i'm waiting for some kind of two-in-one xps 15 that comes with a pen and i'll probably have the perfect laptop like the perfect laptop that's what i'm waiting for but right now if you're looking for something powerful if you're looking for something sleek if you're looking for something that you can walk into the office with and people are going to love it and look at it and wonder where you got it that's these machines in fact i mean i'll i'll give a comparison just last week, we did uh, some coverage on the Microsoft Surface Book 3. And it's a controversial machine because people love it. Some people, at least. Fans definitely love it. They still acknowledge that it's arguably the most unique laptop and laptop line on the planet because there's literally nothing like Surface Book. But because of its uniqueness, because of its special features, because of all those extra things it does to stay, well, the Surface Book, you know, being detachable from the keyboard, like you can split the screen and the keyboard, having the GPU and the keyboard whilst the CPU parts are essentially behind the screen and the screen can act as a tablet, and all the pin support and the mic support and the iris scanners and the Surface Book is packed. Okay, it is an amazing machine. But because of that, it's made some compromises this year. It can only have a GTX 1650. Oh, and a 1660. It can have a 1660 in the 15-inch version because there's a 13 and 15-inch version. But it can only have a GTX 1650, 1660. Those are its cards for graphics cards. Uh, it can only have 15-watt Intel 10th Gen i7 processors, which look... The wattage of a processor is not the biggest issue. I would say if you have a Core i7 and mine's running at 15 watts, yours is running at 45 watts, unless we start doing really heavy workloads, I'm not going to notice. But here's the thing. These are pro-powerful machines. Heavy workloads is the name of the game. So there are moments where if I was using a Dell XPS 15 and someone was using a Surface Book 15, my XPS is just going to outperform the Surface Book. And it's not always going to be a clear-cut difference, but it's there. And it's even why some people are complaining about it now. In that Microsoft essentially had sort of, let's call it an Apple moment. Because you know that thing that Apple tends to do where um, they don't change much in a product. And when they do change it, it's like... The changes are very, how can I say, it? they're Apple-centric. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Uh, Apple was having problems with its MacBooks for three years now, since like 2016-17. Uh, they had terrible keyboards that always broke. So what did Apple do? They pretty much kept those MacBooks the same until like last year with the 16-inch where they just changed the keyboard. And if you were on the Windows side, you'd be like, well, I don't have time for this. If I was using an HP machine, I'm skip switching to a Lenovo, I'm switching to a Dell, I'm switching to a Razor or a Surface or whatever, because you've got that choice. But if you're a MacBook person, you can't, right? So you wait for them to change 
uh, you wait for them to change. Right. Uh, as I was saying, you they don't... How can I say this? They don't change much. They just change the feature that Apple fans want. So if you're an Apple fan, you wait for them to change that one thing. And when they change it, it's like the world's worst case of Stockholm Syndrome because it's like right now, the new 13-inch MacBook Pro came out, the MacBook Air came out, they had better keyboards. Everyone's rejoicing. Except you guys stuck with worse keyboards for three years. Yep. So it's it's Microsoft made that kind of a choice with the Surface Book 3 in that we're going to serve Surface Book 2 customers. And Surface Book 2 customers probably just want a more modern CPU or more modern GPU. Add in a few quality of life features, like they have better mics on them. They have a security chip, which is actually really great for um, enterprise users. They have, um, I'm trying to think of something that's really new. <laughs> they, they did enhance some things. Of course, battery life is better. Uh, the detaching mechanism happens faster now, almost instantaneously. I used the Surface Book 2 for, yeah, for a week essentially, when I was uh, abroad. And it's an amazing machine. To think of just having a better version of that is still amazing. But the thing is, the laptop market, for especially for Windows users right now, it's just gotten so demanding. And they are machines more powerful and more capable than the Surface, which don't come with its features, by the way. None of that splitting, detaching, these are probably more normal laptops, to be honest. But they're cheaper. And for a lot of people, that's what they need. So people will get that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So whilst the Dell XPS right now is the extra stuff, but it's the extra stuff that people wanted. I mean, outside of maybe being able to turn it into a tablet for the 15, but I don't think anyone wants a 17-inch tablet. So, yeah, we definitely are excited for these machines. I really hope I get a chance to use them somehow. I don't know. I'll, I'll make something happen. <laughs> I hope. But uh, we'll see. We definitely will see. These are definitely some good machines. And hopefully Nigel grows out of his teenager phase and <laughs> wants to use them sometime. You think you're going to do that? I will when I start going to college and when I'm actually starting to get serious about my work. But for now, I just want to play games till I drop. <laughs> okay, okay. Google Play Music is getting replaced by YouTube Music. Yeah. Uh, what's that all about? Tell, tell us about it a bit, if you can. Oh, um... Okay, so YouTube Music is practically replacing these guys by, um... Well, we can't really say replacing if it's from the same company. Google just decided to stop using the Google Play symbol and go more for YouTube YouTube's more um, streaming focused and it's going to be the new face of your phone's music from now on. And don't worry, we actually covered this in one of our recent articles. You can actually read it if you just go to the site and look for the Google Play Music is replacing YouTube Music. And the fun fact is that you can actually save all your playlists via online transfer. So that's going to be. So YouTube Music is practically the new kid on the block with it replacing Google Play Music which some of us were getting into for for a long while or you have been using it not really thinking about a streaming future for years and YouTube Music is going to be more streaming focused and the 
fun thing is that it allows you to just to just transfer all your playlists from google play music into your youtube music account or whatever you might call it so don't worry about any of your morning playlists any of your reggae any of your whatever playlists it'll all be covered for <laughs> well it depends i mean well yes but there's a whole process uh we did a whole article on this actually you can go look that up but basic just uh just like nigel was saying uh youtube music is becoming the default android music player and the for phones that used google play music rather and the downside to that of course is since youtube music actually started off as a totally separate app and a totally separate project for google they the consolidation of these two apps is coming with some problems including the fact that Google Play Music actually had a whole streaming side to it. Like, you could use it as a music streaming service, like you use uh, your Spotify or your Apple Music. But now there's been a bit of a change, right? Um, with that change, you are, if you had a lot of content saved. Now, of course, they are mainly looking at the streaming users, but even if you're not a streaming user, you saved a lot of playlists if you had a lot of likes and dislikes based on your own music collection like the one that's in your phone right now uh you might want to actually do this process you just go online go on the play store rather, download youtube music make sure your accounts are logged in and look for the try uh wait. there's a whole guide on our site by the way yeah you go to music.youtube.com slash transfer i'm looking at it right now actually then you click the transfer button and it begins the process now we have yet to completely test this out i'll be honest i moved from play music almost as soon as i got my new android phone uh i hated it hated the interface always i am using an old gv30 but i actually just decided to use sony's Walkman app because it has a much better interface. It has an amazing shuffle algorithm. I don't know how it works. I just know that offline it still matches your music together so that it sort of blends well into a great shuffle playlist. But uh, essentially, I moved away from play music. I might actually just play around with it just to tell you how the transfer process goes. All I know is that considering that most people have playlists and that's actually relatively small amounts of data, shouldn't take a long time to do the whole transfer probably within 15 minutes it might be done as long as you're on a good internet connection uh but yeah that's pretty much it but i would say if you don't want to really go with any of these hassles you can do it now or if you don't really care look man just get another music player i don't know you can just wait for uh youtube music to arrive and that's cool and we will actually go on to say that this is not an immediate thing thankfully Right now, it's YouTube Music is the default player on Android 10, but um, it's not even really being rolled out to Android 9. You can download it, but it's not being pushed to Android 9 aggressively. And Google does apparently plan to push this to every active Android version that supports newer versions of Google Play Music. So even as far back as Android 4 or phones from around 20. 30 even apparently but we'll see 
it's obviously going to take them time. One thing is for sure, though, Google Play Music is going to be closed. So if you still feel like you should take the move, Android, one of the best things about it is that there's a lot of alternative music players. If you want, we can do a list on that and uh, just let us know in the comments or on our socials, on Twitter or whatever. And we'll put a list together on some actual awesome music players you might want to try out. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty much it as far as that's concerned. Now to go on to gaming. You know, the thing Nigel's good at, right? I think I was born for gaming. <laughs> you think you were born for gaming. All right, buddy. Uh, so here's actually something that we wrote this week again. You might want to check it out. You see, um, this year, despite all the craziness that's going on, is the year that the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are coming out. Now, uh, people have been talking about these consoles since, like, at least early last year, which is expected. And there is a certain amount of excitement for them. I mean, people have more important things to deal with, so with COVID-19 and everything. So obviously games consoles aren't the biggest thing on everyone's mind right now. But there is a trend that we've been noticing. Now, this isn't 100% true, especially for countries like Zimbabwe, but... In Western markets, the Xbox Series X has pretty much been dominating the hype circle and the hype markets around these next-gen consoles. And Microsoft has been doing a killer job of marketing it and getting people excited about it and pretty much just making a lot of people consider buying it. And you know what Sony has been doing? It's been a step behind the whole way to the point where I would honestly say that Sony needs to stop seeming like they're a step behind Microsoft when it comes to these consoles because it seems like it does. I mean, that's the whole point of marketing, right? You're convincing customers to like your product. And Microsoft has been doing such a great job of that as of late that Sony really just seems like even their console is not as good, which is debatable. We'll talk about that right now, but I don't know, man, Nigel. What do you think about this? Um, first off, Sony is honestly slacking on its fans. I mean, the DualSense looks amazing. I mean, that thing looks cool. You mean the controller? Yeah. The okay. DualSense looks amazing. It's more like get that thing in black, because I prefer my controllers in black. You probably can. I mean, you know, we don't even know the color options for the PlayStation yet. Yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, you haven't even showed us what the PS5 looks like. We've just seen what it can do. I mean, we've already seen the Xbox Series X, and if you're like me, you might think it looks like a PC or a home speaker or a streaming box. But um, Sony is just honestly slacking on us. I mean, sure, we're used to traditions, but... Um, it just has to step up its game to match up with these guys. I mean, Xbox is basically like the Oprah of this of this of this war. Like, you get a trailer, you get a trailer, you get a trailer. Everybody gets a trailer. You get <laughs> to see games. You get to see everything. What does Sony does? Nothing. I mean, if I literally had a locust sound effect, it would just be going off in the background. Like, you mean, you mean crickets? Crickets, exactly. Okay. Uh, just for clarity. Um. Here's the thing. Sony is apparently still used to the tradition of how uh, consoles got 
unveiled in the past. And just looking at the PS4, just looking at the PS3, here's what happened. Uh, journalists, uh, gaming sites, and so on would speculate what the console can likely do for a while, right? So for almost a whole year leading up to the console. And Sony might leak a few things. And Microsoft did the same thing, by the way. It would leak a few details. Hey, you know, uh, we'll have this much power. We'll have this much RAM. We'll have a processor that's this fast. They would maybe leak details about an upcoming game. And then there would be a June-July event, I believe, close to E3 or at E3, which is basically the world's biggest gaming expo. Um... And then that's when they would really unveil everything about the consoles, which was fine. But here's the thing. The upcoming console generation is, some actually believe it's going to be the last real console generation. Because there's a lot of things that seem like they're going to shake it up, right? In the past 10 years alone, there's a lot of conventions and norms about gaming and gaming consoles that have been changed. For starters, they're all essentially PCs now. Like... Gaming consoles used to have different hardware architectures that were very unique. But by the PS4 and the Xbox One, these things started using AMD Jaguar architectures, which are literally almost exactly like the ones you find in PCs. They're using RAM, they're using memory, which is exactly like what you're finding in PCs. And now with the Series X, it's almost exactly the same. So much so that <laughs> it lends itself better to this whole thing of it looking like a gaming PC. And this PS5 is pretty much expected to be the same with mostly off-the-shelf components, except for some specialized SSD, which we'll talk about soon. But um, simply put, one, they're more like PCs. Two, game streaming is becoming a thing. Okay, this is where um, I'm Clint... I can pull out my phone if I have a fast enough Wi-Fi or even cellular data connection. So usually you want something like 5G for that. I can play my um, console at home whilst I'm out there doing something else through my phone. It's a fact. Like, it streams what's going on the console to my phone. That's the Microsoft xCloud concept, actually. And it goes further. I might not even own a console, but I can pay three to five dollars a month to get a few games and essentially rent a console in a data center somewhere. Essentially, my console is in the cloud, and I just play with play my games wherever I want them. It can be on my phone, it can be on my laptop, which might not even be capable of running those games. You know, PCs are a very interesting um, and more complicated market in that they require a lot of. <laughs> specialized hardware rather than a cheaper and less powerful hardware that's in consoles but i might have a two gig ram pc and as long as it can run a web browser i can pretty much stream a much more powerful game onto it so game streaming's a thing it's it's not really out there as much yet we have google stadia we have microsoft x cloud we have i think it's nvidia What's called? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. There's another one from NVIDIA. These three services are kind of really rolling out in Western countries bit by bit. But uh, we've got that. We've got 
a lot of backwards compatibility in this console as well and we've got consoles now getting upgraded more like phones with yearly releases there's three versions of the ps4 there's three versions of the x actually there's four versions of the xbox one so basically we're at that point where uh a lot's changing and this next console generation has a lot of change that's coming with it but here's the thing sony doesn't seem to really want to acknowledge that whilst microsoft is all in on that okay microsoft pretty much was just defying the norms as far as marketing consoles goes everyone was used to being quiet until around june july guess what microsoft revealed the xbox series x in december of last year okay december of last year they revealed the whole console they show what the box looks like. They show some teasers of some games that we would be expecting. They didn't really hold back. And ever since then, it's been like a constant stream of information about the Series X. If you want news on the Series X, chances are you'll find it. Whether it's through official channels or through the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, just deciding to go on Twitter and pretty much just dish out some more details about the Series X. It's literally like that. And what's happened now is that that it's had the effect of like everyone just knows that the series x is there whether you're a playstation fan whether you're an xbox fan you know the series x is there whether you want to buy it or not and it's constantly in your mind they have your mind share and as for the playstation 5 they, they don't really have your mind share Nigel. when was the last time you thought about the ps5 i love my ps man I really love that thing, but the, the PS5, <laughs> I, I'm still just waiting for the day when they're like, you know what, Xbox has beat us, screw this. You really PS5, did? Black Bundle? Okay, okay. Like, hey, like, hey, why? Too much South Park. Too much South Park. I'm sorry about that. But, um, as I was saying, okay, back to it. I'm sorry. Um... The PS5 has been noticeably more quiet due to, obviously, Sony trying to stick to tradition. Here's the problem, though. They don't really seem like even they want to do that anymore. It just seems like they just don't have any marketing stuff ready. Why do we say this? Sony is taking events that were meant to be either for executives or for developers and trying to use those events to hype fans up, right? So, for example, uh, Microsoft went from just unveiling the box to giving the Xbox Series X to YouTuber Austin Evans for, like, a day. Like, just giving him the console. Like, there it is, buddy. They were there, test it out. Please check out some features that we have. And then they did a whole spread on the Xbox blog about it. Uh, whilst Austin Evans obviously put out some videos, right? Let people know. And they pretty much unveiled all the main details about the Xbox there, right? It's specialized storage cartridges, uh, 12 teraflops of power, 16 gigs of RAM, the processor, etc., etc., etc. And as they did that, again, more information, right? You have more to tap into. What did Sony decide to do? Well, the following day, this, this was supposed to actually be a games developer conference thing, by the way. And here's what Sony decided. There was supposed to be a developer talk, and I mean an in-depth developer talk, where you're talking about teraflops for what they really are, where you're talking about 
shading and rendering mechanics where you're talking about how data is transferred through a console or you're talking about why a hard drive bottlenecks a console or you're talking about all the inefficiencies and in certain cooling models and so on. This is in-depth tech stuff. But since Microsoft had had a field day a few days before and fans were going crazy about the Series X, Sony literally started sending out tweets and reports of a big PS4 event that would be expected during that week. And it was going to be streamed live. And of course, you know, people logged on. They thought maybe we're going to see what the PS5 looks like or maybe we'll see a game even. Or, you know, we'll find something out. Instead, we pretty much just went through an hour or so long of a developer talk, which I'll, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I'm a computer science student. It felt like one of my classes and not the kinds I enjoy. So it was terrible. And then after that, oh, actually before that, they also did the PS5 logo reveal where they put a bunch of people in a room together at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and revealed the logo for the PS5. Again, people thought they were going to see something amazing. They're like, nope, we're just going to show you a logo, folks. And it's embarrassing. It's 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 terrible. Okay, Sony just needs to really put the game together. And look, let's be honest, there are some things that they've done right. Their DualSense reveal is great. I mean, I've never seen people go so crazy over a game controller or a pad. That was amazing. Um, there's the recent Unreal Engine 5 tech demo, which has gotten some people excited. But here's the thing. That's a tech demo for Unreal Engine 5 just running on a PS5. It'll probably look the same if it's running almost anywhere. Unreal and Epic have just had a pretty good working arrangement with Sony. In fact, the Unreal Engine 4 demo was on the PS4 as well back in 2013. So it's not the biggest thing, but that demo does look great. The graphics look amazing. It'll probably take a few years for the graphics we have now to catch up, which always happens. Like the first, I don't know, six months of titles that are released when a new console is out will pretty much just look a lot like the old console. Like the PS4 games from 2013 looked a lot like the PS3 games from 2013. But then by mid to late 2014, that's when you really started seeing what the PS4 can do. So we're not really expecting much in terms of the first games for PS5, which will probably be a lot of PS4 ports anyway. But um, yeah, there's 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 a lot, man. And again, let me just state this right now. I'm actually a big PlayStation fan. I have a PS3. I've owned a PS2. I've had a lot. I'm probably getting a PS4 sometime soon. Yeah, I know. I was a little late for that one. I'm sorry. But I've never com felt as compelled to buy an Xbox in my life. Like, I know I'm probably not going to. If I had the money to buy both, I'd probably buy both. But this is the first time that an Xbox has really caught my attention. And Sony needs to fix that. They're not going to lose sales from someone like me. But they might lose some sales in the markets they matter most. Uh, sorry, they care most about, rather, that matter most. So it's definitely something to uh, to think about. I don't know. Nigel, anything else to say? And calm it down this time. <laughs> okay, um, I'm perfectly calm now. I will sound like a rational adult. Will not get an adult kid. Teenager, whatever. Now, um... 
a really huge PS fan, but I actually don't mind Xbox One. Except when it comes to exclusives. That thing sucks when it comes to exclusives. I mean, it's honestly disappointing. And the only reason I'd actually want one is for something like Halo 5, for your Forza Horizon 3 and 4. But, um, yeah, the PS5 just needs to just reveal itself. Just blow it out of the park. I mean, they've just been slacking so far. And now it seems like it's going to be something huge when we're supposed to just just supposed to be something small but yeah so you're saying that the ps5 has to essentially be a much bigger deal now because of all the time that has been quiet yeah it's just gonna have to go through like a crazy training montage of crazy techniques i mean sure maybe the guys at sony are still deciding whether this thing should be a square or a circle i mean they've been <laughs> quiet for so long i think they've got the design figured out they just they're just being Sony, <laughs> you know, they're trying to be mysterious. Sony's a very traditional company, and unfortunately, a lot of the time, that's come to bite them in the back. Uh, it bit them in the back, back in, like, the 90s, when it came to cassette tapes versus VHS tapes. No, no, sorry, cassette tapes versus Betamax tapes, because they had Betamax ones, and they hung on to Betamax as much as possible, but it was more expensive, ended up failing. Uh, you probably don't know this because I'm on 2000, but I grew up on video cassettes and yeah, they lost that one. And then they lost the MP3 battle to the iPad because they didn't want to change the MP3 formats. They lost the, oh, among other things, of course, they have been losing smartphone wars because for like, is it almost six years? Okay, hold, hold on. Yeah, they kept almost the same smartphone design from... 2014 up to like 2018 so for four years they had the same smartphone design and it wasn't even a great looking smartphone design you can't do that unless you're apple but sony did it and it shot them into foot. so i don't know hopefully this time tradition doesn't stab them in the foot i mean look i'm still probably gonna buy a ps5 after i buy my ps4 <laughs> but um Hopefully they get their act in order and they do it soon. And in fact, look, let's just go back to some Sony news. Uh, we have some Ghost of Tsushima gameplay up on the site, uh, courtesy of Sony's own YouTube channel, I believe. So you should check that out. Uh, it's a PS4 game. It will be... In fact, oh, so something you should know about both these consoles, they'll be able to play the last generation's games, which is great. Uh, benefits of a PC architecture again. Uh, so the Series X will be able to play P. Um, sorry, <laughs> be able to play Xbox One games. In fact, the Series X will be able to play Xbox One games, Xbox 360 games, Xbox original, like the first original Xbox games, which again adds to its value proposition. Whilst the PS5 will be able to play PS4 games. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Ghost of Tsushima looks amazing. Sony's always been amazing at single-player titles. And Ghost of Tsushima, for me, actually, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. It's coming from Sucker Punch, the same guys who made the Infamous games. I love Infamous. I am crazy about Infamous. I expected another Infamous game. Ghost of Tsushima, on the other hand, I'm not completely in love with it. 
but I am impressed by it. And I'm impressed especially by the thematic approach they're taking to it. This is going to be like Spider-Man PS4 for me, which a lot of people love. And for me, here's the honest truth. I wasn't that impressed by it because it's a perfection of Spider-Man formulas that have existed since around 2004. If you go and play the Spider-Man 2 PS2 game, you'll literally see the basis of maybe, I would say, 70% of what came in the Spider-Man PS4 game. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, perfecting that formula is great because all it took was perfection to make one of the greatest PS4 games. But uh, Ghost of Tsushima now seems to hearken to a lot of actually third-person action-adventure tropes, which I don't mind because what it does do better now is make it more thematic and cinematic. What do I mean by this? Uh, the game is going to come with a photo mode. The game's literal atmosphere looks like you're in feudal, feudal Japan. Feels like you're in feudal Japan. It is beautiful. It has amazing lighting. It has amazing music. It has a black and white mode that makes it look like one of those old school samurai movies. And then it has a Japanese audio track, meaning you can play this whole game and it will be Japanese with subtitles. So it'll feel like you're actually watching an old samurai movie, which look, it's it's it's, it's small things, but it's amazing. I mean, they paid special attention to the photo mode. I don't really care too much about the photo mode on PS4. But Ghost of Tsushima makes you care about it. So, uh, I don't know. Not going too crazy for it. But I think I want it. I, I don't know. It might not be one of my first PS4 game buys. But, yeah. After all this, if this whole COVID stuff dies down a little, maybe I can score myself that as a game when I get my PS4. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Nigel, any thoughts on Ghost? First off, I love ghosts. I love the ideas of samurais. And there's one of the few games that just actually just justifies you coming from hard, hard day at work or school and just killing a bunch of people. Like just killing a bunch of thugs. Killing a bunch you realize there's people listening stuff. to this who probably don't want to hear that you like killing people, right? I don't like killing people, okay? I play a lot of Candy Crush in my free time, so. You have no Candy Crush. Technically, I do. Where? In my emulator. An emulator? Really? Yes. No, who's here to listen about emulators? No one. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so, <laughs> there's a lot of Sony stuff today, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> quick shout out. Uh, we wrote about Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath. Uh, you should check that article out. Uh, we're essentially just talking about not just Mortal Kombat, but um, what are these? fighting games in general, they've kind of become the games that keep on giving, you know, like the gift that keeps on giving. And for both sides, both the players and the developers and with fighting games, it seems more substantial because there's the whole games as a service model, which is that you'll notice this in games like uh, your Destiny, The Crew, some Need for Speed games. Uh, a lot of games have this always online component and the game itself technically never ends because it keeps on getting updates and new missions and so on. And the game itself has become like a service, right? Which is great to some extent because if you buy the game, you essentially keep having stuff to play. 
but there's also a cost a cost element in a lot of these games in that a lot of the great stuff that tends to come is not free for example i'll take the uh the example of destiny so especially destiny one destiny there was destiny one then there was the destiny one the dark below which was the first expansion then there was like four more expansions and you had to pay for these and you could get some other stuff and free updates which is cool but if you wanted the latest gear if you wanted a lot of great weapons that would be useful in the game if you wanted to enjoy it more considering that destiny is this combination between an action rpg and an mmo and that you could technically play it in quote-unquote single player but there is no single player because whilst you're in the middle of a single player i could literally just pass by you whilst i'm in the middle of my own mission but because we're in the same area we see each other and we could team up for our mission and like do like this whole massive open world where you can just keep meeting players and having fun which is amazing but it costs so much and these games aren't even really playable in zimbabwe because most of us don't have great internet connections uh, which is something we'll mention about Mortal Kombat later. But um, <clears throat> but fighting games, it's been a little different because fighting games still try and use the DLC model, which is that you just download something and you have it and you pay for it, yes, but some characters or some parts of the game still do come for free. So for example, for Mortal Kombat's Aftermath expansion pack, fortunately you won't get three new characters for free, you won't get the story mode uh, chapters for free, but you will get the stages for free, you will get a lot of the new mechanics, there's some friendship stuff going on, there's some new fatalities, it's Mortal Kombat, it's crazy. But there's stuff in fighting games that comes for free, including sometimes characters, and that's become more fancy, more happy about that than they do about these other games doing it. So, I don't know. Nigel, thoughts? Well, my only thought is this. Shojin is back. One of my favorite MK characters. I mean, I love the guys who have been in Korea. It's unique and quirky and fun. Okay, so, Mortal Kombat fans speaking out there. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that's something pretty cool to check. And to just wrap this off, uh, we were talking about Sony just now. Where is the Sony Xperia 1 Mark II? So, some of you may remember this. We talked about it in our first podcast. We talked about it on the site. Uh, I kind of was pretty hyped for this phone, like a little. And then it just disappeared. Like, Sony showed it off in, like, was it February? Late February, early March? Then they just disappeared, like, poof, gone. Like, this phone has not arrived in anyone's hands yet. No one has tested out those cameras that Sony was saying was, were amazing. No one has uh, played with its audio jack that Sony said was premium. No one knows if this phone is even as good as Sony says it is. And Sony has lost so much marketing hype on this. And I don't get it. Like, why would they do that? Like, was the phone not... Did they not have units manufactured? So if they didn't have units manufactured, they obviously couldn't deliver it fast. Like, what was going on? Because, I mean... We could blame COVID-19 and social distancing, but some companies made efforts with this. I mean, okay, Apple is still selling their new iPad Pros right now. It's still selling their MacBooks. It's sending them to reviewers to check them out, even if they don't buy them. It's um, 
Microsoft is doing the same and sending out Surface Book 3s to people. The Austin Evans thing that we talked about, that was it. Microsoft wanted to do an in-person presentation at Gabe Developers Conference, GDC, and it couldn't do that. So it sent it to a YouTuber. Like other companies are making the effort to keep their products in people's minds or on people's minds, rather. Sony unveiled what was a pretty interesting smartphone. I would say this is the best smartphone they've made since 24T. And yet they just, they, they don't even follow up at all. And it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, look, I live in a world where I'm a little sick of the usual Apple, Samsung, duopoly. I'm not, look, I'm in Zimbabwe, so I can't really just pick up a Google Pixel all the time. Uh, and OnePlus has sort of let me down recently. And this is a year where some of these lower tier companies where I'm, let me not even say lower tier, I would say more forgotten companies have been trying to throw in some punches, right? So Sony has the one Mark II. I'll just call it the Mark II. Uh, Motorola came back with the Motorola Edge Plus, which is actually a beautiful phone, if not a little bit impractical. But, you know, Motorola had not made a flagship in like four years. We can sort of forgive them. Uh, even LG, their V60 is kind of disappointing, but seems like they're already pivoting. They've got some new concept wing smartphone coming up, which is, it's crazy. It's it's like this combination of a phone uh, LG used to have in 2008. I'm forgetting what it's called. But if you've ever watched the first Iron Man movie, there's this phone that Tony Stark uses uh, where it's it looks like it's just a normal modern-day smartphone where it's a rectangular glass or whatever, except it flips up like it tilts actually. It's hard to explain this, but uh, one side of the phone will be essentially a display now in landscape, and below it would be a keyboard that will still be in portrait mode. Well, LG is redoing that uh, same phone with the wing concept, which will now have two screens rather. One screen will be in landscape, whilst the other screen will be in portrait, so the other screen will be for typing or doing whatever you're doing. Also, the other screen is for viewing stuff in landscape mode for whatever reason it's crazy but it's interesting i mean in this world of folding phones i don't know maybe these twisting rotating phones are what we need it's crazy man and then there's the lg velvet i'm sorry i totally caught that guy. which is i would say a much better take on lg phones as seemingly they're great cameras has an amazing ceramic build, has an actually less powerful processor, but for a reason, because here's the honest truth, if you're using a Snapdragon 865 or a 765, you're probably not going to tell the difference 90% of the time, and the Velvet is the right kind of redesign, the only problem is it apparently costs more than the V60, so we don't understand why, we thought it was going to be a premium budget phone, but point is, point is, Oh, and all these phones, except for the Wing, I think, I don't know, have headphone jacks. So, great. These seemingly forgotten companies are trying to punch back by, you know, bringing in some features people like, bringing in some things people like. And I'm excited about it, but at the same time, there's a lot of reminders as to why Apple and Samsung are also Apple and Samsung and sort of the kings of the smartphone market. Uh, I don't know, Nigel, you checked out the Moto H Plus. Maybe you can tell us something. Now, the Moto H Plus is a pretty confusing phone. I mean, 
Okay, first off, the thing is that the phone isn't even fully waterproof. As it was said in the Yajiru quote, you can literally go for a jog with it in the rain. If you're jogging and just rains and you're going to survive, but you cannot go with it into the pool or anything else. Which is honestly pretty, pretty much a letdown for most of your newer phones, but in terms of if you want your power, your performance, and your battery life, that thing is sick at that. I mean, it even has this cool gaming feature where it has, like, these shoulder buttons. Okay, okay, let's, let's, let's hold up on the gaming for a minute. Uh, how much does this phone cost? Um, it's in the same price range as the S20 Ultra. No, not the Ultra, the normal S20. Uh, it's 999 US dollars. No, not 999, 900 US dollars. So, that's a lot of money. You've got a flagship that goes for almost $1,000. And they couldn't put waterproofing in it. Yeah, I know, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, even, the thing of it rattles, like little, like little, what were they called again? I don't know, a rattling sound. Yeah, exactly. It, it shows that Motorola definitely hasn't been making flagships for a while. But here's what the phone does do right. Uh, it has an amazing screen, beautiful display. It has a pretty good camera. I wouldn't say the best one around, but it's a good camera. It has a headphone jack. I, I always welcome that. It's a me thing. Um, and it has specs that on paper match up to at least the Galaxy S20 or even the OnePlus 7 Pro. Here's what it unfortunately does not have. Refinement. This is the first uh, flagship phone that Motorola have done in like, is it, I don't know, four years? Exactly. So... The rattling thing, like you shake it and sometimes it feels like it rattles and yeah, you feel like something's broken in your phone. And it's because of the camera, because it has a 108 megapixel camera array, which apparently is not seated well. We're not sure about that. Um, and I don't know, it just has, and, and it has this huge curved waterfall display, similar to something like the Huawei Mate 30. And the problem with that is a lot of the time people touch it by mistake on the side. Like you could just be holding your phone normally. And since the display just keeps on going up to almost like the bottom of the side of the phone, you can touch it by mistake just by putting your hand there. Yeah? Turns out their version of actually touching the edges is actually somehow better than your S20s and your OnePlus's features. Well, it depends. The S20 and the OnePlus no longer have cursor. Okay, the OnePlus 8 Pro does have cursor side. The S20 actually doesn't have cursor side. That's flat side. Samsung finally learned their lesson. They stopped curving their sides. Yeah, and sure, this thing curves its side, but it has, like, these cute little handy thing. I mean, handy tools. Like, it's like using an S Pen, but this time the S Pen's only on the side of your screen. You can have a quick little shortcuts menu, and it just doesn't react to you just tapping it a lot. I mean, well, it's, it's actually different per unit, because apparently some people are complaining about it, but they actually tried their best to fix this. Now, I would say they should go for flatter edges the next time, but I don't know. It seems to work for this phone. Okay, so you're saying people should give the Moto H Plus a chance? Yeah, you should. Okay, here's the problem. Uh, yeah, look, I, I sort of agree. I sort of agree. You should give it a chance. I think you should give it a chance just simply because of the fact that it is a good phone. It's just not the best phone. 
when you're paying almost a thousand dollars, you kind of want the best phone. But I don't know. I feel like where it falls off is unfortunately that price point just doesn't do it any favors. The Edge Plus was coming in at, I don't know, 800, 750. I think it would be a deal. Like you should be able to deal with its flaws, right? Yeah. I honestly think the Edge Plus shouldn't have been a flagship. If it had played its mid-range game, it would have probably rocked it, right? Considering it went for flagships and it isn't even fully waterproof, it has those tiny little itches that stop it from being the perfect thing it was supposed to be, it still stops it. Like, it just stops the phone dead as in its tracks. You can't really defend it that well. Yeah, you can't. And... (laughs) Uh, we'll, we'll go back to this maybe next week because I want to go into an article about how $400 phones are essentially the best phones in the world right now. You have the iPhone SE, you have the Pixel 3a and the 4a coming out. You have a lot of um, Chinese-made phones. You have the Galaxy A51, I believe. Basically, a lot of innovation is actually happening at this $400, $500 price range. And... These $1,000 phones are really just becoming luxury items that you don't really care about. And it's funny that you're talking about how the H Plus should have been a mid-ranger because it might have done better there. It has flagship specs, so it can't do that. So there is a normal Motorola Edge that's going for $600 that dies down on the camera and a few other features. I will check that one out and see if it matches a little better. But uh, yeah, that's smartphone uh hopefully we'll be able to get our hands on it because well you know zimbabwe and smartphone distribution and ish, problems and etc but um <laughs> but uh i think that's been the perspective cast it's uh it's good to be back we're really gonna be um changing things up a bit besides just having this crazy fella here uh we'll be putting things in snippets on YouTube just for people to catch up better. And some people are actually complaining about the time. Don't worry, we'll try and uh, shave that down a little. And uh, hopefully you guys can listen and enjoy. And uh, remember, stay safe, stay indoors. Uh, only go out if you completely 100% must, okay? Don't go stare crazy in your houses, but don't suddenly go on a road trip and meet a million different people. This is the time when you're not supposed to do that. Um, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. And uh, you guys just uh, have a good week, right? Have a good week. Change your password and eat your potatoes. What potatoes? Potatoes. It's now apparently different. Okay, no, no. Goodbye. Potatoes.